it's about the platform that gives you virality that no other platform does, right? So which platforms give you virality? Well, back then it wasn't YouTube because my mom was not on YouTube. And also it's not a social experience. YouTube is a silo experience. It's a not social experience. But Facebook was. If you like something, all your friends see that you liked it. That's a viral material right there. So if, if my friend liked my video, all their friends will see the video. Massive. I'm never bearish on anything core based. So I'm still very, very bullish. I still think that completion rates are 10 times higher. I still think at the days of buying a video on the internet and, and watching it is done. We get 1% of 1% of the value that we generate. 1% of the 1%. Imagine we are entertaining and educating 400 people, 450 million times every month. And that ad revenue from that is roughly like 40K. Welcome to Media Empires, where we sit down with the most influential media creators right now to learn exactly how they built their empires. Our aim is to extract the secrets of top-tier podcasters, newsletter authors, and media creators who are breaking the old rules for media success. Whether you're looking to start your own empire or simply curious about the nuts and bolts behind media businesses, you'll find valuable insights and tactics in each episode. Grab your headphones. Let's dive in. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio, not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of this show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for Riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code Media Empires to get a 20% discount. Hey everybody, today's conversation is with Nasser Yassin, the creator and CEO of Nas Company, a community-driven production studio that empowers creators to become educators. Nasir is mostly known for his viral 1,000 daily, one-minute-long videos online under Nas Daily. This episode is full of discussion about the value of followers on social media, how to create viral content, and why people are creating community content. Without further ado, here's Nas. Nasir, uh, welcome to Media Empires. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, I'm excited to build a media empire with you. Amazing. So uh, speaking of media empires, uh, when you look at the arc of your career uh, building a media empire, uh, both on the Nas Daily side and on the Nas Academy side, what's the, what's the thread that ties your, your interests together? Or that's sort of the, the guide on how you want to spend your time and make the, mo the biggest impact that, that you uniquely can? Damn, dude, you're starting strong. Um, <laughs> what's the common thread between all the ecosystem that we're trying to build? Yeah. The common thread is, does this bring people together? Does, is this like a net positive to the world? Is it, is it social in nature? Is it about people in nature? If it is, then we do it. If it's not, then we don't do it. So NAS Academy is like teaching students, right? NAS IO is a technology software to build community. It's all about bringing people together. NAS Daily Content is about bringing people together. So so all these three things. So now if I look at businesses, I'm like, okay, if I want to start a business, I cannot start an ice cream business because it doesn't bring people together. So I want to start things that bring people together. And that's the common thing. That's the mission statement of the company. That's what I'll be doing for the next 50 years of my life. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Let's get into the creator side first. So yeah. you, you get out of college, you, you join Venmo as, as, as and that you save some money. Uh, you then go out to create, you know, a thousand videos in a thousand days. You you build an enormous audience in the process. Um, 
what do you think is your superpower on, on the creator side that that enabled you to build such a you know unique uh, big, big and loyal audience you know relative to all the other creators out there and how, how did you kind of lean into that or understand like you know what what makes you really tick what makes you really special so why are people following me like that's a really good question i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to figure <laughs> out the answer to that today like I don't know why. It's definitely not my looks. It's definitely not my don't, arrogance. Don't sell yourself short, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my arrogance, which I'm starting to develop some. It's not my background. I, I think it's because I think it's because of my opinions, right? I think there's a lot of strong opinions in Nas Daily, and the way we put effort into every piece of content, I think people are noticing it. So, so I think they like the way we talk. Yeah. And the way we talk is a very specific way. It's very simple, easy to understand, very slow, but it's also very global. It's about things that are important. And it's not about you know putting people down. It's about lifting people up. Those seven things is why people follow Nas daily. So if I was a little bit better looking, I would have way more followers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. this, is what, this is the best we can get. Yeah. Well, I guess that's uh, encouraging to me as someone who's about to go out there. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, totally. Kidding. You and I are equally attractive and equally ugly. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. were, were you clicking from the very beginning? Or, or did you notice, uh, like, what, what was sort of the big inflection point on when your, your, your stuff really started to take off? So Nas Daily was not a, was not a one-night success, right? It's... Things really started to take off day 271. So I made 270 videos up in 270 days up until something started to click. I started to understand how to make videos. Bam, bam, bam. Everything started to lead to another. And then bam, you got it. Then now that it really, really took off was day 609, which is when the algorithms of Facebook changed. Everything started to get a million views every single time, right? So algorithm changes and then better videos together after 600 attempts started to click. Now... You know, the algorithms continuously change every now and then. Uh, you know, there's always new things. But I think today, one minute vertical video is kind of like this is the time for it. You got big on on on, on Facebook. Um, how, how did you think about? I mean, you're big on uh, multiple platforms, but how did you think about like which platform made the most sense for you and what you were building? Yeah, it's about the platform that gives you virality that no other platform does, right? So, which platforms give you virality? Well, back then it wasn't YouTube because my mom was not on YouTube. And also, it's not a social experience. YouTube is a silo experience. It's a not social experience. But Facebook was. If you like something, all your friends see that you liked it. That's a viral material right there. So if, if my friend liked my video, all their friends will see the video. Massive. Right? So this is why I chose Facebook. I think the virality could exist a little bit now on LinkedIn and TikTok. So that I would like totally like try to try to go there as well as Twitter. Uh, YouTube Shorts as well. Right? So this is why I chose Facebook because within one day you can reach everybody in the country, and uh, and it worked like it worked like right. awesome, you know. How, how did you think about monetization uh, over time? Monetization, well, money was never the, the goal, and it still is not. Uh, you know, uh, when I started, I had enough savings, so I don't have to worry about money for two years. Uh, my goal was to get the VWS, not the USD. So the VWS is a different currency; it's the views currency, right? And, and the more views you get, eventually you'll get USD. So if you get a million followers, eventually you'll be able to make a million dollars. That was very convinced of that. And I still am. So once I get to the 10 million follower range, then I started to make a million dollars from brands, from, from, from sponsorships, from whatever. But until then, you know, it was just like self-funded and basically operating as break-even. 
Yeah. And how should we think about, because um, I'm, you know, I'm a bit newer to, to, to the space, like how much a follower is worth on, on relative platforms? Yeah. Right now, followers are worth exactly zero on all platforms. The number of followers actually does not matter. It's actually useless. It's a useless metric. What matters is like community. How many of your followers you have turned into a community? And this is what I've been thinking about for the next five, six years now, right? Community is like how many of these followers have actually migrated with you to another platform and you have their data, your email or their phone number, and you can like charge them a monthly membership or whatever, right? That's your probably your, your follower count. And so, so, so you know, your number of followers on YouTube is actually meaningless, same as TikTok, same as Facebook. Um, because now it's all interest-based algorithm. It's no longer follower-based. You, you can make a video, none of your followers will see it. It doesn't matter, right? Because it's not a good video. If it's a good video, everyone will see it, including people that are not your followers. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I encourage everybody to build a community. And, and um, maybe it's a segue, but, but what is the best way, or you know, talk about the best ways for people to convert um, follow their audience to kind of a subscriber base, i.e., you know, a, a community, a paid community? Yeah, well, <laughs> this is what I've been thinking about for the last year, right? I, I've been thinking about this so much, and I realized, shit, there are no good platforms to build community. Like, what's the point of getting all my followers to Discord? I still don't own them, and Discord is not used by anybody, like by, by, by most people. So, like, uh, what's the point of moving them to, like, any other social media platforms? It doesn't matter. So this is why we ended up building Nas.io, which is a, basically a community SaaS. It's a community platform that helps you manage and own your own community. Uh, and Nas.io sits on top of Discord. So you can still get people to Discord, but you get them through Nas.io. It's like a, it's a CRM for community. I think we built it, and now I use it to manage my community. I actually think it's the best way to manage a community because everything is just like two clicks away. You can email them, you can WhatsApp them, and you can put them in Discord or Telegram or whatever, and you can show them courses, and you can monetize them. So it's like all-in-one kind of CRM. So um, I use Nas.io. I think other people could use Patreon. They could use uh, – uh, actually, that's it. Maybe some email marketing stuff. But there's not a whole lot of options out there. And so that's why I think that the, the opportunity here to build a unicorn uh, building community is, is massive. Yeah. No, totally. For the for the narrow audience, um, or for, for the narrow use case of of, of uh, newsletters, I think Substack is cool because you own your own email list, um, and they help you with yes. recommendations, and you can monetize. Um, and so, something that does that for YouTubers or other different types of creators could be could be really awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So we do we do exactly what Substack does, but for community, not for newsletters. So if you want to have them on WhatsApp, Telegram, Discord, or if you want to have them you know, watch video content as opposed to just written content. So, so, so basically we're complementing Substack and Patreon in helping creators monetize. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting because you are a creator entrepreneur. Uh, so you understand yes. both sides. And, um, you know, when we were talking previously, one, one thing you mentioned is that um, one of the reasons why you moved to, to entrepreneur in addition to, um, you know, having a bigger impact and, and, and because you're entrepreneurial is because you, you mentioned that, you didn't say these exact words, but you said something like creator has somewhat of a short half-life in the, in the sense of uh, yeah. platforms are incentivized to find new, new creators. Um, t talk about that and w w what that means. Yeah, look, I think most creators don't recognize this, but do you remember who PewDiePie is? You know, PewDiePie for a while was the biggest thing ever, but now nobody really talks about him. He's no longer relevant, right? So 
um, he still gets millions of views, but actually he's not in the he's not in the ether. So um, so I think people need to recognize you have like let's say five years as a shelf life, five, six, seven years max as a shelf life, and then the algorithm is the best interest of the algorithm is to find a better Eric, and a better Nas Daily, a fresher Nas Daily, a more attractive Nas Daily, right? And it'll come, and these guys will be born, and they will copy you, and they'll be ten times better. So uh, this is why people need to understand what their exit plan is. You know, one is owning your community. But second is like building and monetizing that community with products. Some people do a clothing line. Other people do a food line. Other people do a merch line. You know, I've decided to build a technology company, right, uh, as a way to monetize my community and, and build up the next thing. So I'm moving from creator to technology entrepreneur as my next bet. Yeah. And let's talk about kind of the different paths um, that, that people could take. I mean, because even you, you've kind of explored a few different paths. Maybe yes. talk about the first iteration of, of Nas Academy and, and, and what you learned from it and how that led to this evolution. Yeah. So, so the first path, we actually, the first path I explored was production company, production house, which I still have. Right. So out of a million people watching this, one person will be a brand that wants production and we do it for them. The next path is, hey, selling education. Right, creating educational courses and selling them, right, and then helping creators monetize their education and their knowledge, also really cool path. Uh, still working, right? But I, but I've realized it's like very operational. So both of these paths are very operational, and it still makes you a service business. Still gotta create the big course. Still gotta sell it. Still gotta have the human aspect to it, and that's like I'm tired of like non-scalable businesses. So, so that's why we've moved to the SaaS technology path, which is much more scalable. You build up on top and you continuously make NAS IO better with better features, more powerful and all that stuff. So, so um, that, that's sort of been the iteration. And I think a lot of creators have a hard time, you know, not being in the rat race. So always building service businesses. And it takes a lot of thinking and at least five years to go from an operation business like actually, you know, even on deck, right, was operational in nature. Yeah. It's, not, it's not necessarily as scalable as, it, as, 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 as a SaaS platform. So moving from operational stuff to SaaS, very hard. Are you, are you bearish on kind of uh, the cohort-based courses stuff in, in, in general? Or, you know, was that kind of uh, accelerated by COVID? Um, or what are your thoughts on just broad, like broader creator education yeah, stuff? Yeah. No, no, I'm, not, I'm never bearish on this stuff. I'm never bearish on anything cohort-based. So I'm still very, very bullish. I still think that completion rates are 10 times higher. I still think uh, the days of buying a video on the internet and, and watching it is done. Like, remember the days when you could buy a DVD and rent it and put it in your desktop and then watch it? Yeah, those days are done. Similarly, the days of buying a video file and watching it on your own are done. People want to be part of communities. You know, you see at conferences, we run conferences around the world called Mass Summit, right? We have this big ass, you know, uh, time for like talks and keynotes and nobody pays attention because they just want to talk to each other. So, so the desire for education from people is at an all time high. That's why I think cohort based anything, cohort based courses, cohort based projects, cohort based dating, for God's sake, is the future. Of but thing, Eric, what, what do you think? What do you think? Oh, about cohort-based stuff? Yeah, because um, you, you've done it. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I, I think one challenge with the cohort-based stuff is um, that the – historically is that the instructors had to do it every time. Um, yes. And so it becomes 
it, you know, um, instructor has to do it every time, and then does it does it develop network effects, right? Like as it gets bigger, um, you know, does the community kind of drop in quality? That's just a challenge with communities in, in, in general. And so I, I think I think cohort based courses are way better than um, normal courses, as, as you mentioned. Um, but I do think that they need to we need to figure out the problems of. Um, you know how to work with the instructor so that it's it's worth the instructor's intri- uh, yeah. you know, uh, time, uh, you know, repeatedly. And then how do you how does the course get better as more people take the course? Yeah, that makes sense. But actually, the same argument can be made about having an Instagram account. You have to continuously create content for the Instagram before it dies, right? So it's like there's nothing that builds up on top on social media. You have to always create content like yes. a, like a guinea pig. And I yeah. think the same applies to cohort base, except. When you create content for TikTok, you get views and no money. When you create content for your cohort base or your community, you get money and no views. You decide what you want to index for. Yes, um, I, I think that that's well said. I, I th- you know, people like Dave Perel have, have done have had a bunch of success. Uh, others as well. I think you know, for the cohort, you're also coming for the community in some aspect. Whereas on TikTok, you're you're just coming for the creator. So the TikTok yeah. can scale and has no ne- negative network effects. Whereas the cohort can can have positive if the if the people are good or it can have negative if the you know influx of people takes away from the network quality or whatever you're trying to yes. create and some cohorts you yeah know, i'm sure i mean it. when you say it i believe you bro you you've done it before so <laughs> I, I totally believe you yeah L- let's talk about the the kind of emerging kind of capital sources for creators um we have you know some some people are launching creator funds uh to to invest in in youtubers yeah. or up-and-coming creators um and um and are trying to pitch LPs that hey, this is a this is a burgeoning asset class. Um, you know, creators want want capital. Um, you can get good terms on it. You can get you know ter- terms for 20, 30 years on their on their upside, not just in their channels, but in businesses that they start. Um, you know, when when they exit to, to what you were saying earlier. Um, what, what do you think about th- these models? Is this, is this the future? No, I'm I'm kind of bearish on that. I'm bearish on. Um... I'm bearish on people buying a percentage of a creator. Um, I'm bearish on you buying, let's say, 20% of a human's earning potential for the next 10 years because people underestimate how much the incentives just do not align. The incentives just do not align. People are trying their best to like hide it. You know, you want something where the incentives align. And I just think that's like, that's number one. Number two is, I think a creator is like, it's a flaky thing. A creator themselves is flaky the flakiest subset of humans I've ever worked with. And that's okay because they're very creative. They're not like an engineer. They're very creative. They, they imagine new things, but they're still flaky. So, so I think you know, these two things may result in catastrophic stuff. However, I am bullish on buying digital assets. So like the models of buying old YouTube videos, the models of buying digital revenue generating assets, I'm bullish on that. Um, you know, does that make sense? So I don't think people should buy the human. I think you should buy the human's creations. Then it's then it's good. That, that's really interesting. Talk about um, the misaligned incentives. Uh, how, what, why are they misaligned, and what would it mean to align them? Um, when you buy a creator's earnings. Yeah, yeah. It's just that you know it's going to become a creator is like a it's like a it's like a lifestyle. It's not like. It's not like, okay, I have this tiny thing that I'm doing on the side and you take a percentage of it. It's like everything I touch has something to do with this. Now, then you say, okay, I'm going to buy 10% of your earnings. But like, okay, which earnings? The YouTube earnings only? Okay. 
but then I'm gonna sell, I'm gonna build a company and sell on YouTube. Do you have ten percent of that company either? Like also, do you have ten percent of the, every company I found, I, I co-found? Do you have ten percent of my investments as a creator? So it's like the limitations as to like where creator starts and where it ends are not very clear. Now, if you clarify them and all the stuff, that's fine. But then I think you, you must also remember most creators burn out after two, three, four years. And not only that, most platforms want to burn out their creators after five years. So now, like, what are you investing in exactly? Yeah. Um, let's talk about Mr. Beast as, as a case study. And maybe Mr. Beast is the exception that proves the rule. It may, maybe he, too, is going to, quote, unquote, burn out, um, you know, to some degree if he hasn't already. Um, when you talk about Mr. Beast as, as a case study, what, what can we learn or not learn from, from what he's doing? I think he's been able to scale creativity. He's been able to scale content, and that's good. Right, it's Darman actually is a hidden Mr. Beast, and people don't talk enough about him. But Darman and and uh, and uh, and Mr. Beast have scaled creativity. Uh, that's good. I have chosen not to do that. My my Nas Studios is forty people, and it just stays at Nas Daily, and that's it. I've chosen to scale technology. It's about like you look at creators and you look at them. Okay, what has this person decided to scale and take to the next level? The hardest form is to scale creativity. The easiest form is to scale products, physical products, like makeup brands and whatnot. And then, you know, and also actually scaling technology can be just equally as hard. So I think it's different levels of scale. So, um, yeah. So, so Mr. Beast necessarily is, is not necessarily the only one because there's a lot of Indian creators who built multi-billion dollar companies, but people don't know about them in America, right? Like Baiju. Baiju built a $20 billion company and he was a YouTuber before. When he was a creator before, um, on Academy, got him right. They built yeah. a three billion dollar company, uh, and he was a YouTuber. So you see those case studies. Uh, Physics Walla. I mean, in India, left and right, creators are building billion dollar companies, but nobody talks about them because America cares about America. You know. Yeah. So l- let's pick a- any one of those who has built a massive creator, you know, uh, content empire, but hasn't yet, you know, done the full exit plan and and built the the next business. Um, and, and maybe give one of them advice if you were kind of their, uh, their advisor on how they can take what they've built content wise and like, you know, expand it. Like Mr. Beast, the only one I, I, I know of in that group. And I know that he's, you know, incubating, um, food companies and, uh, or product companies and has a fund, et cetera. Um, like why don't you, why don't you pick one of the people you mentioned or, or, or someone else and suggest what you would do if you, if you were them in terms of how to have an exit plan. For some of the some of the creators that have built a big company, B- built uh, a big audience, but have not yet built uh, you know the next thing. Oh, got it. Like so, what what's the exit plan for a big creator? Yes. yes. How to um, go big? Like, hey, you have an audience. So at a high level, some people are excited with what they're talking about personal holding companies. This idea that you you build an audience first, that audience gives you cash flow that allows you to um, you know not need to raise venture necessarily. Um, yes. And, um, you know, and also sell to, to build products that sell to that audience. Um, are you like, let's, let's say if you were building the YC for this type of person, like what would be your sort of Paul Graham advice on how to take your audience and build billion dollar companies? So I think the number one thing is, um, think deeply about the risk, which is your face and then your image and your health. Because if, if, if the business is reliant on your face and your image, then you have problems. And I had that problem two years ago. I still have it a little bit, but not too much. So, so make sure that the whole brand does not rely on you. Find ways to change the brand. So like 
Casey Neistat, for example, like the brand is Casey Neistat. So that's going to be a little bit difficult to build a Casey Tim. Now, for me, Nas Daily, Nas used to be my nickname, but now like Nasir is what I go with and Nas is people. So I'm, I'm separating myself from the company. So my number one advice is separate yourself from the company and consider it as a media organization. The next advice is um, uh, I think you should operate in what the audience expects you to operate in. Like don't try to, if you're a food vlogger, don't try to create a sports company, you know? Uh, so, so, so try to stay in your lane. And you know, I know this sounds like very offensive, but stay in your lane, um, especially when you have a large audience. So these are probably the two main advices I would say. Also, I think having investors is not necessarily a bad thing. I have investors. I've raised $23 million and not, not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so, so, so consider having investors and, you know, and, and not necessarily putting all your eggs in one basket. So you can still have your cash flow for your personal holdings. And you can still start big, start new companies, and you're just a co-founder of them, and then people just like, you know, make these companies work. Yeah, and and the the reason you separate yourself from the company is is to just because some people say, hey, the you know individuals are more attractive than brands. Why not just like lean all in on the individual? Uh, is it because just the risk of you know if something happens to your brand? Yeah, you know the risk you 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 know you you're getting in like bad publicity. Like imagine if Jamie Oliver now you know or Gordon Ramsay gets like sexual assault case god forbid like the brand is done right but if gordon ramsay started a you know knife kitchen call it knife right at least at least you 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 mitigate that risk a little bit um so what i what i like actually i do like the mr beast is the brand jimmy is the person so you could still have a mr beast without jimmy and that's good you can still have a nas daily without messiah that's good uh, so, so I think you want to be able to have that. You cannot have a Casey Neistat, a Casey Neistat without Casey Neistat. Yeah, no, th- th- that makes sense. Um, you, you mentioned earlier that the, uh, the one minute video, now is the time for the one minute video e- e- even more. Um, yeah. W- w- why is that? And, 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 and what, what, what does that mean? So when I started seven years ago, the, 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 the trend was to, uh, create 10 minute long YouTube videos and call it a day, vlog a little bit, copy Logan Paul and call it a day. But actually... Uh, that's not the trend. Like that, that's not the trend now. The trend now is vertical form, short, one-minute-long videos. That's it. You know. So if you can do that, then um, um, you know you you'll get the most distribution out of anybody in the world because you just wanna you just wanna create the format that will get you the most views, and it's no longer ten-minute videos. So there's only four places you can have distribution now: YouTube Shorts, TikTok, Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels. Everything else is dying. Yeah, and um, what is the um, the framework of what like what needs to be in that one minute video for it to be you know w- w- worth like great or worth putting out or h- how do you think about how that? Yeah, different? I'm not really familiar with like prank content and entertainment content, but I'm familiar with educational content. It just has to have like massive educational value, massive. You know, it needs you need to be able to learn something new in one minute. Uh, it needs to have some also like some sort of cult around it, like a format around it, right? So like every video I make ends with that's one minute, see you tomorrow. Uh, uh, every video I make is about people. People relate to people a lot. People love people. So so we, we make a lot of videos about people, right? So so super educational value, like answering questions in the, and answers in the video. Why are dogs, why are cats not called cats in Iraq, right? Why don't, like why did Iraq change the name of cats, I don't know. I kind of want to know, you know, so I, I'm going to watch the video because there's an answer to it. So have, have an answer to a question. If you can do that in a minute, you win. Yeah. And, um, 
when you said these four platforms um, are the you know are what's what, what's hot, like is how how long is the shelf life? Like, let's say someone you know in, invests a lot in, in these platforms. Yeah, you know, like in two years, are they going to have to invest in new platforms, or how do you how do we think about the shelf life? The shelf life of the video or the of, of, of the a, channel. Well, I guess the video is pretty short. I'm assuming, right? Um, you, you, like yeah. YouTube, people go back and, and watch. I imagine, but like TikTok, I imagine people aren't doing that as much. I, I just mean yeah. even of the of the platform followership. I say most of your views you'll get in one week. YouTube has a pretty long shelf life. Like you'll get it after like five, six, seven months. Your shorts yeah. you will still get views, but TikTok has a very like one week shelf life. Facebook has one week shelf life. It's always like new, but YouTube is not necessarily like it's not about what's happening today. But TikTok is about what's happening today. And I think that's kind of like the difference between them. So that dictates the shelf life. And I really hate this about Facebook and TikTok because you know, it's like you work on this video for two, three weeks and then people watch it for two, three days and that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even like, let's say I build a, a, a million followership on, on TikTok. Like, are you long-term bullish on, 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 on TikTok? Like, is that, you know, million followership like going to be relevant a, a couple years from now? Or like, how do you think about, yeah. Yeah, a million followers on TikTok is basically um, useless. Oh, let's say 100 million, uh, whatever. <laughs> what is the right amount? Yeah, it actually means that it's, it's, it's not a number. It's just not a number that matters. It's, it's, a, it's a useless number. So, so it's, what you need to look at is like, what you need, the question you need to ask is, if I mastered the ability to create a good and compelling TikTok, if I have the script writing skills, the editing skills, and the video making skills to create a TikTok, what should I do? That's really what it is because you have a million followers or zero followers it doesn't matter if you have that master ability then you'll win in every platform so people should not aim to go viral people should aim to master the ability to create a tiktok and how you do that well if you make 10 tiktoks and then five of them go viral you've mastered that ability right that's yeah. good you should be happy you'll you'll do well in any case yeah and so even if tiktok gets banned or whatever you could just take that same exactly. skill do it to another platform yeah it makes sense exactly that's yeah. what matters so people listening in, some people are, are you know, um, burgeoning creators, some people are aspiring creators. Uh, help us understand, like, even a framework for thinking about, I know we've just said followers are useless, et cetera, but, like, how much money one makes, like, based on what level of success. So obviously, like, you know, you, you, the best people, you know, are, are doing very well. What's, like, a, yeah. a B-tier creator, like, just making annual, like, how to think about what, what so how much creators make? I see most b tier creators making 10k a month that's kind of like uh, i think the annualized like version of a creator is maybe 10k maybe like two 3k from the from the platforms and then 7k from the brand let's say a couple of brand deals a month and like you'll be good right and then and then maybe if you if you build a community if you have a sustainable community that like pays you monthly right you can make another 5k so you can make roughly 15k a month from creators and i that's why i advise everybody to start a community a, a paid community because that's like that gets you a uh, 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 good recurring revenue, so you can rely on. So 15k or so, that's B tier. I think C tier is basically 2k. Uh, D is zero. Uh, a tier, you know, it really shoots up to the roof. Um, you know, our our revenue as NAS company, like as a NAS ecosystem, is roughly a million a year, something like that. Amazing. Uh, others can do five million. Others, you know, I know of others that do three million a year, uh, three million a month. Sorry. Wow. Uh, we do a million a month. Uh, no, we do, we, do, we do a million a month. They do three million a month, four million a month. Uh, so it really depends on like uh, where. But 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 for that, those creators don't just get it from YouTube ads. Like from like our source of revenue, our million dollars a month. Like 
we get from probably 20 different locations, not just one, 20 wow. different locations. So that's like what's really important, diversification. And, and what are even some of the examples of either you or others, like what are those locations look like at a high level? High level is like one, the actual community, right? So we sell products to the actual community of NAS Daily, right? And the NAS Daily community supports you back. Uh, we have subscription products. We have NAS IO communities for creators, for beginner creators, for, for aspiring creators, uh, whatever. We also have sell education. Uh, we also sell uh, production services. So, uh, you know, like you want a video to be made on your channels, we'll help you. We sell consultancies. We sell events, summits. Uh, we sell ads, you know, like like ads yeah. like from YouTube and whatnot. Um, speaking engagements, like a little. And then that's pretty much it. Yeah. For people who want to build a community uh, on, on your platform, let's say they want to take their audience and convert it to a community. What are the... Um, What's your high-level advice on how to like best impact, um, you know, be- best sort of add value to a community such that they retain for some time, and then maybe how to best monetize? Yeah. So the way you should think about it is very simple, right? Step one: get a lot of views. So use social media for that. Step one: go big, but you know, number of followers doesn't matter. Step two: funnel them into a community that has one purpose, one purpose only. This is a travel community. This is a food community. In this community, I'm going to teach you this. In this community, you're going to meet people like you, okay? But have a well-defined community. Get them in, funnel them in. They meet each other. Then within the community, you do community commerce, right? Either you charge memberships, you sell them courses, you sell them events, you sell them experiences, you go travel together. Whatever it is, you, you start to monetize within the community, right? Because at some point, increasingly, ads do not work for creators on, to- on the top brand. So you need the ads to start working on the bottom brand, right? So... Uh, so step one, get a lot of followers and views. Step two, get them in the community. Step three, sell for the to the community. Step four, you know, engage. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of like how we think about it. What are your thoughts on on pod, uh, podcasts as as an ecosystem? As you know, I know you experimented with with, with a podcast last year. Um, is that something that people in community should be doing, or is that is that kind of redundant with with the YouTube stuff? Or how, how do you think about or or other yeah TikTok? Yeah. The best use case of a podcast is to cut it down into 20 different short-form content. Other than that, podcasts are useless, Yeah, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, you, like, you can make money. Like, I think podcasts is very skewed to our top 1%. Top 1% are making massive amounts of the podcast. But other than that, I don't, see the, I don't see podcasts democratizing as much as they did. Like, everybody wants to have a fucking conversation for one hour. Like, who has time for us, bro? Like, who the hell? If you are listening to us right now, me and Eric talking, like, consider to reconsider your life choices. <laughs> Why the hell are you listening to us? There's better things to do. Eric will just take the best one minute and put it on TikTok and call it a day. So that's what I think about podcasts. And this is probably one of uh, one of those short form. <laughs> yeah, the best one minute. That, 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 <laughs> that's fascinating. I mean, um, you know, one, one thing earlier on, you were talking about kind of the evolution of, of content uh, over the years. You, you mentioned when you started, it was the vlogs, and now, now it's a one minute. Talk about kind of the evolution of the, of the creator space a little bit. Because when, when you were starting out, it was, um, you know, a much smaller space. And now it's kind of a, some people might call it a mature ecosystem, or it's certainly a, a growing ecosystem that has had its, um, you know, ex- peaks and valleys of excitement, et cetera. Why don't you talk about kind of the evolution or different phases of the, of the space and where, where we are right now in, in that evolution? Yeah, I think we're still the first 5%. We haven't really scratched the surface yet. Uh, I still cannot get a credit card. I still cannot get a bank loan with 10 million revenue. I still cannot do that. Wow. It's crazy. So like, 
you know, there's still a lot of work to be done with like how creators are considered. Um, that's one. Number two is we are generating 450 million views every month on the internet. And we get 1% of 1% of the value that we generate. 1% of the 1%. Imagine we are entertaining and educating 400 people, 450 million times every month. Wow. And that ad revenue from that is roughly like 40K. And a fucking TV channel has like millions of dollars for an ad that nobody watches. So I'm saying we're still so early in like the way we think about monetization and the way we reward creators and the way creators monetize. That's why I'm like giving up on creators actually having the best interests of creators in mind, the platforms. And I think creators should start taking control of the monetizations themselves and not wait for YouTube or TikTok to give you money. Because I'll be honest, the people working at TikTok and Facebook and Instagram, they're not working fast enough. They're not working fast enough. And they have different ways to monetize. You know, and so uh, I, I've given up on waiting on these platforms to help us monetize. Yeah. Did you consider at one point starting like a fintech company to help, uh, you know, for lending for creators or 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 I, I maybe put it differently? Like, what's your request for startups for creator? Like, what do you want people to listening to go build? So one is community tools. I think we're building that. I've decided to take that on and build it. I think other tools that people need to do is content creation tools like localization tools like uh, content management tools. I think content management is tough. Frame.io is terrible software. Somebody needs to build a better frame for content collaborative editing between you and your editors. I think uh, content financing is possible, but a lot of people are working with that and still needs ways to go. Uh, brand collaborations, brand sponsorships, a lot of software needs to be built for that. Um, um, uh, monetization of like offline monetization for creators, like experiences, like hotels and travel and whatnot. Lots of room to be played there. Um, uh, representing brands for speaking engagements is still very difficult. A lot of room for mailing services for brands, for creators, right? I mean, a creator's email should be very different from a personal email, yet we still use the same fucking email. You know, it's like, what the hell? Like, I, if I miss one email, I could miss a $50,000 deal and, and I just cannot miss an email. But like, there should be an AI to help me like run my business, a creator business at scale. And I just think these things still don't exist. So there's a lot of things to be, to be built. Yeah, you uh, just dropped uh, dropped some gems gems there. If people go uh, go pursue it, let us uh, l- let us let us know. I think people are missing intimate spaces to connect. It used to be Facebook groups where everybody would build a Facebook group for specific people, for freelancers, for doctors, for lawyers. That's where the intimate spaces used to be at. Yeah, but that's no longer the case because people moved away from Facebook. Now everything is in the open. Every comment you put on the internet, everybody sees it on TikTok, on Instagram, whatever. So there's a desire for intimate spaces, the desire for intimate growing. So I think that's where like community content could be big. Um, and you can monetize it much better than like free for all. Everybody can watch. Everybody can do whatever they want. Yeah, totally. And the um, there's this business industry dive um, that is basically like it sold for $500 million dollars. Um, recently, I'm having the CEO on. What they do is they um, they, they have like news sites slash newsletters for like 25 different verticals, and those verticals are um, like trade. It's like trade media for like uh, utilities, waste, food. I don't like spaces that are not sexy and don't have good media. And what the reason why mm. it's worth so much is because they're the best place. If you want to target like CTOs in the waste industry, 
you know, where else are you going to go? Uh, yes, exactly. So, so they, they do what you mentioned earlier, which is they, they own their audience. It, it's, you know, and they have all the data on their audience, first party media, et cetera. And, um, Perfect. so yeah, I, I'm going to start within tech, but I'm also curious potentially to go, to go, go beyond it, um, into some of the, yeah. some of these spaces. Amazing. So you, you do the same thing, right? You'll use step one as a place to yes. make a lot of TikToks, a way to get a lot of people attention, then funnel them to a community from the community leader, then monetize it from there. I mean, that's literally what NASA.io was built for. So I think we're both operating in the same space. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be interested to see the tech that you build to, to make this possible because that's, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, totally. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted and also be looking into, into what, yeah. what, what you've built as well. Um, Nasir, you are an inspiration. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming to the podcast. I've, I've learned a lot from, from our conversation and uh, look forward to more. Thank you, Eric. And if anybody's still watching this, thank you for <laughs> staying to the end. I'm sorry for attacking you sometime in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> no, that was amazing. Thank you, Eric. Good yeah. luck. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of this show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for Riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code Media Empires to get a 20% discount.